Bienvenidos a la lección de iFanboy de la Semana Podcast, episodio 101. Patrocinado por el universo de Jim Henley y el Netflix. Benvenuto alla scelta di iFanboy.com della settimana podcast, episodio di 101. Il mio nome è Ron e sono con chi, Josh? Hola. E Connor. What the hell is going on? It's, it's, we're doing the format change, Connor. I think we did it wrong. Oh, we're not doing the format What? change? I, I thought we I, talked about it. Uh, just, just let, you know what? Just, let's, just, just, let's just go. Just do the show. All right, yeah, all right fine. Anyway, so welcome to iFanboy.com. That was an ill-fated <laughs> format change. Um, in, case, in case you don't speak Spanish or Italian, um, my name is Ron, and I'm here with Josh. Hello. And Connor. Salve. It's going to do Latin. Oh, we're not doing it. Sorry, sorry. We're going to do a whole show in Latin. <laughs> so um, we're from myfanboy.com where we did comic books, and every week we review them, and then we come here and we talk about the pick of the week, which one of us writes and reviews, and then um, we talk about as well the other books that came out. Just want to warn you, we're going to talk about the comics that were released, and we've all read them, and we assume you have too. If you haven't and you don't want them spoiled, then uh, stop the podcast and pick it up when you've read your comics. Uh, Josh had the pick. I did have the okay, pick. Okay, yes, he did. I don't really read the website, so... <laughs> um, what uh, was it? Uh, the pick this week was Scalp Number 10. Who wrote it? Uh, by Jason Aaron Who and art it? by R.M. Guerra. Who published it? Uh, Vertigo? All right, cool. The city of DC yeah. is the city area of Time Warner. Awesome. AOL Time Warner. Are they still AOL? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, okay. uh, no, they're, they're called Time, Time Warner now. Right? Oh, they're on Time Warner? Yeah. And they yeah, dropped yeah, the AOL from it. Um, Are we going to do a segment yeah. on stocks? <laughs> <laughs> So um, if you had it's watched the if you'd watched the video show last week, I think it would have been when you're listening to this, um, you would have seen we did we did a vault show and I did the first trade of Scalped because yes. well before I said I didn't like it uh, when I read <laughs> the first issue I now do like it very much um, it, it's it's gotten very good um, it, I think it was good it just in the beginning I needed to give it a little more time um, he jumped ship right away. Yeah, well, well, and that's the th and that, what's funny is that it seems like everybody's talking about scalp these days. I yeah, mean, like everybody is, and it's the kind of thing I know when it started. I don't know if it started with such a warm reception, much in that we've talked about like no, it creature builds. started with a slow build and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of as not that I've ever read it. I didn't read this issue or any pages of it, but it's nice to see you're giving it a shot. It's definitely been a slow build because we've seen on the website since you posted your pal, lots of people jumped after with you after the first issue. Yeah. And it got. It, it's <laughs> kind of my fault, so I feel like I should win them back. It's been a sl <laughs> it's been a slow increase where each issue's gotten better and better and better. Where like last three or four have been just fantastic. Yeah, it's it's looking like it's going to be a really good series. It sounds like it's going to be around a long time. They say that they're both going to stay on as the art team. I guess for, you know, as long as they'll be allowed to publish it. There's there's a whole lot of story left to be told with this thing, and they're tell really, the people what it is. Uh, what it is is there is an Indian reservation. Um, And on this Indian reservation is Chief Red Crow, and he's sort of the... He's not really the bad guy, although he kind of is, and he runs the casino, and... He's, he's like the, the mobster. Boss, he's the like, boss. Yeah, but he's also the crime boss, but, you know, like, he's, he's a very gray character. He's, it's not black and white. Like, he does things that are good. Uh, you know, and he used to be a revolutionary um, long ago. And then uh, on the overall story is that uh, there's this guy, Dashiell Badhorse, and he comes... 
from out of nowhere and he's the drifter and he actually grew up there and left the reservation it turns out he's an fbi agent and so that's the that's the twist yeah but you don't really know what side he's on or what he's doing and it just it's it's about how horrible it is to live on this reservation now this issue had nothing to do with the current storyline um it, it, which kind of like that dmz issue with this with the graffiti artist a couple of weeks ago that i liked so much very that, possibly was it like a one shot just kind of one yeah kind of story? but it's actually yeah. it's it's listed as part five of six in this story but it really has nothing to do yeah. with what's going on ongoing however uh and i wrote this in my review is that the the mark of a good series is when you can do something like this and diverge in the middle of a story and i don't mind it yeah. You know, and that's well, really you don't know that it's not going to be contextual. Like it, it could, it, it could get tied in. in the it, next I don't issue. think it is. No, no, no. It's, it's been a character we've never seen before. Yeah, and but then, how do you know in the next issue? Well, you, you, don't re- you really like if, yeah. if you were reading the book because right now you're talking out of your ass. Right, true. Exactly. Um, no, admittedly, yeah. Um, and you know, and Connors agree with me. And he did read it. It's, it's just like it's this view of a of a random person who lives on the reservation. How just messed up their life. You know is. what it is? It's like the, the main cameras on the action, and then and then in the middle, it just suddenly just panned over to this dude. Okay. And then we're there for, for an episode to come back to the main action. And what it does is it gives context to the world of yep. the reservation. And also there is, at the, at the end, uh, Chief Red Crow shows up and does something that gives his character uh, dimension and textuality. And it really is more about what that means to everything. But then also just this is the world that they live in. Just, which, just how horrible of a world how is How horrible. Now, now here's the question. It's like, I don't know where he did research for this. If he, if he, I don't think he lived among the reservation for a long time, but... You know, a lot of people can come when they start writing stuff like this. They base what they've they're they're building the world on on movies and TV shows and things like that. There are no movies and TV shows about this. This exists in real life, but we don't, as a culture, know much about it really, unless you. And we really there. should because we it's absolutely terrible. should. It's just like every, everybody's got rampant and, rampant and poverty and, and and lack of education and just ridiculous drug and alcohol abuse because it, it's it's an area where you know, like you hear about the American inner city slums and things like that and this is every bit as bad if not worse because they're forgotten they're not known about you know the, you, there's no movies about a white teacher going into the reservation and turning all the kids around on a baseball team with a bunch of Indian kids and, you know Starring Michelle Pfeiffer yeah not that there should be but you know still you know like their their plight is basically largely unknown I don't think most people know about it they're just like oh yeah Indian casinos right. um and and the thing is this world is made very real uh, in, a, in a, I mean in a, in a in a sort of surreal hyper way uh, but it's still like it's based in something real, you know. And they're they're trying to show you how awful it can be. The other half of this being that the art really captures this. And I so I look up R. M. Guerra to see where he is. Maybe I was like, maybe he grew up on a reservation or something like that. He's European. Is he from Spain? I believe. Yeah, yeah. and you know, so like I don't know. It's, it, it looks <laughs> it's 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 great looking book. There's no other book that looks like this, and it yeah. feels it just feels real. Like you know, mm-hmm. it's like. The all the details of he must have done some. He's got to have done research. Oh, it, has it, to it be. feels it feels. Well, so one weird. of the other points that I make is that uh, you look at the figures and the drawings and the people like that, and all the characters for the most part are Native American Indians, and they don't look like white people. They look like Native American Indians. Yeah. Um, and that's that's something that sort of gets taken for granted in a lot of art because a lot of times, you know, like white dudes who are artists or European people will draw basically white people and then the colorist will make them into whatever race they need to be. Right. And here the facial structures and, oh, yeah, they, and everything. They don't look like, they don't yeah. look like white dudes. Um, which is really impressive, especially since, I mean, at the very least he didn't grow up among it. You know, like he's doing all this either through research or he, you know, went to live at the reservation for a while. Um, it's just, it's, it's a really great book and it's, it's this view of a part of the world that we don't see. So it makes it a unique story. 
Um, and it was also this, this issue particularly was really good. And this, mm -hmm. I thought this built on the whole... Um, the lab, this arc really has really humanized the villain. Because mm -hmm. Chief Red Crow was much worse in the beginning. Was, yep. so he was more of the prototypical bad guy. But this, he's really been humanized. He's still a bad guy. He's, not, he's, yeah. he's by no means a... He's a crime boss. He's no, by no means a hero. But this has really made his, his character much more gray. And this is a heartbreaking issue. Uh, totally. And, and like almost at the end, I was almost like, oh, I don't even know if I want to pick this because I felt like shit at the end of it. And, and like this is, it's a sad so, story. See, but that's, that could be the mark of a good No, book. it was great. I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and this is a character you don't even know and right. you don't even care about. That's amazing. In 22 um, pages. Yeah. yeah it uh, really well He does done. a great job of capturing this. Basically, it's, about a little, it's about a young guy and his dream of getting off the reservation and it's, there's a whole entire arc in the course of those whole issues. He starts off with his dream, and then by the end, he's either going to realize his dream or not. Yeah. And then what happens at the end is what, what makes it sad. But it's like, in the course of that arc, you, 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 you get to know the kid, you get to know his situation, you get to know his dreams, you get to know basically his life. And, it's, and Jason Aaron's coming on fast, I think, as mm -hmm. a writer. Because you can, as, the story, as the series has gotten better, it's because he's gotten better yep. as a writer. Um, and, and conversely, him and, and Gara are working better together, I think. Uh, I think the storytelling had some issues in the beginning. And I don't think it was the fault of the artist because, again, when I looked him up, in Europe, this guy's a pretty big deal. He's been working for a long time. Um, but I think that maybe it was the translations or whatever, like the storytelling. I mean, working across distance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I but mean, any, any team put, put put together initially started. They clearly figured legs. it out. Yeah. Well, figured and, it and, out. and in this way, it is, like originally I'd compared it to 100 Bullets, which is the closest thing to it because you've got Eduardo Riso and Brian Azzarello, sort of the same. Eduardo Riso is, I believe, Portuguese or Spanish. Or Something he's like European. That, yeah. He's yeah. definitely not American. And he didn't even yeah. speak English when they started the book. Um, and, you know, and, but he captures visions of America. You know, and this is a very similar to the same. Sometimes I think if you have that sort of third-party view, then maybe you can even capture something more truthfully than the person that, who's in the middle of it. That happens a lot, not just in, in comics, but like... They say lately the best Western films have been made by European directors. Like Many times they have. Sir yeah. Jim from Yuma was a European director. And, oh, was it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, no, I'm not the director. Of the uh, no, the, the Jesse James movie is the European director. Oh, the Jesse yeah. James movie is coming out. But um, Brad Pitt one. I think Ron, you would like this. This is very much in the vein of DMC and Y, and that it's not your typical Vertigo book. At where like well, the, I mean, I we're going to talk about Faker later, and a, that's more of the typical like. It's a segment of Vertigo. Book it's, it's, a, it's, it's the it's the realis realistic violence kind this of. This is this thing, is yeah. more of the crime I'm, realism realism more than the the mystical. I'll probably pick it up and trade. I, I mean, think after like all it. the buzz and everything, here's, I mean, well, it, just like everybody's been talking. Well, about well it, so. here's, here's the thing: if you're out there and you've been thinking about this book, you can buy this issue. It's not going to give away a damn thing yeah. about yeah. the story so far. Um, if you like the tone, you like the way it feels, but you want a bigger epic story, you're gonna you're gonna want to go back and pick up the trade for this. First trade is ten bucks. We did a whole show about it, um, episode thirty-seven, I think, of the video show. Check that out. You can see what it looks like. Um, this was easily the best book I read. I was this really week. happy cool. to see this when yep. you picked it, mostly yeah. because everything else was not. Well, yeah, it was. A, it was a, it overall it was a light week. I mean, I think I bought like five books. How about nine? Um, it was a light week, and I yeah. think most from the most they were very average. I was surprised because I, when I saw that you picked Scalp, I was glad to see Scalp because I'd heard so many good things about it. And I thought it was interesting, but I thought Dead, Dead to Rights you were going to pick JLA Hitman number two. There's not a, because it was good, just because it, it hit you in that soft spot, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that this finished as strong as the first one started. Exactly, that's yeah. no, no, and I don't mean to say it that wasn't is, bad, though. I, it no, wasn't exactly. Bad. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't as it exciting. It should have been a one-shot. Yeah, it should have been like or, a 64-page one-shot. A 64-page one-shot one or 48-page one-shot yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 
I think and, and it, came, just, it came out like within two weeks of each other. Exactly. They should have just yeah. put them out together in one. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think that the, the reasoning behind that though is that the people price are more like too yeah. high for people yep. to try it. People out. wouldn't have bought it if it was six bucks. Yeah. They just what, wouldn't have. What is great about this was I thought he does a great Superman. He does a fantastic he does, Superman. Yeah. He, he understands Super- Superman. He likes Superman. He does Superman isn't like. Oh wait, you're talking about Ennis. Yeah, and, oh, I thought you were talking about McCray. Okay. No, no, Ennis. I think his his Superman is is really good. He's got a lot of dimension, and, and yep. he's not just he's not your mythical god in the corner, mm-hmm. you know, that everyone can't relate to. But he's also not like stodgy Boy Scout. He's got like a lot of layers, and he's like he's very chummy, chummy with with Monaghan, and yeah. and uh, I love that about it. Um, I, one of the things I thought was interesting is that this is laid out very smartly. Uh, as far as the story, like I was like, oh, they took out Batman. I don't get to see what, but theoretically, it made sense. They lost all their powers. So he was the only guy who knew how to do it without his powers. So it made Hitman be the the person who he had to be. And and um, I don't know. It was a, it was it was good, but I didn't I didn't love it quite as much as the other one. The other the other thing is, you know, what was good about Hitman was that he was a character who existed in the streets. This is a little bit like if um, you took element. if you took Gotham Central and you took one of those cops and you put him with the JLA. It would be fun for a little while, but Gotham Central, those cops work best in that area, whereas Tommy Monaghan works best on the streets of Gotham. With, Not up in the, on the moon. Yeah. yeah Were kinda. you disappointed that there was no uh, Bueno guy? Yeah. On the cover, um, kind of pointed out that it just says Bueno. And there's a character um, from Section 8, which yeah, is the is super... Random, actually. Is, no, there's a character named Bueno Excelente. Yeah. Um, how do I explain this? <laughs> or do I? You don't have to, yeah. Um, but he wasn't in the book. He fights evil through the power of sodomy. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's awesome. all that I'm saying. Fantastic. It's one of my favorite pages in the history of comics. Really? <laughs> yep. Awesome. I gotta, I gotta borrow that. Oh, Hitman's yeah. so good. Um, but this was, this was like average. This was, I think, yeah, it was I think fun. This, it was fun. But it was it, okay. It wasn't bad. I enjoyed parts of it. But overall, the feeling wasn't there that the first issue I didn't had. feel as jazzed as the, with the first issue. Yeah. I liked so. the end. I liked the last few pages. No, like, that, was, that was the Superman stuff. That yeah. was really good. He, he, and actually, I liked Clark Kent, too. Also, he should write Superman. this yeah, spoiled the ending of Hitman, which I've never read. Oh. Oh. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't yeah. uh, well, there's a thing where it's like, um, see, um, see Hitman 60, which was the last issue. I'm wonderfully ignorant. Well, it's fine. I never got a chance to finish Hitman because they haven't finished printing the trades. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have been asking about how to get it. It's um, tough. Since we talked about it last time, eBay? and it's kind of, you know Amazon what? Literally, write to DC. Yeah. Write yes. to DC and and say we want to see Go this. Go to book. dccomics.com and find the contact yep. information. Yeah, that's um, the best way to do it. You know, it, that's I might do that. Because we because we have no. I want to see the end of this book, and yeah. you know. Yeah. It's good. It's worth it. Maybe we can start some sort of campaign. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. Did you guys like McRae's art? Are you? Sort of I do. I liked it at times. I didn't like his Flash or his Green Lantern. It almost reminded mm-hmm. me. His Flash reminded me of, of Dark Knight Strikes Again. Frank Miller Flash. You know, yeah. like, um, for some reason, just the way he did the feet and the head and yeah. stuff like that. But um, there were there were pages and panels that I liked the Flash. Yeah. That, not the Flash, the art, and then you know, then there are other ones where I just was like, eh, I, don't I know. think he's a little rusty. He used to work a lot. I haven't seen him in a while, so maybe he's you know. Mm-hmm. But also, his art's kind of take it or leave. Like if like if yeah. you like it, you'll be like it. It really like it really works for Hitman. Right. Um, I think it works for Ennis. Yeah, I think yeah. the style works. Yeah, yeah definitely. So th- you know what? It's still a fun little two 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 issue thing. I'm glad I picked it up. It's worth it. I think a lot of people will be able to enjoy it. Yeah, cool. So um, so I got a question about countdown. Yes, um, countdown, countdown number thirty. Countdown number thirty. Um, generally, what, well, before I get to my question, what was the opinion of it? Did we? Was it good? I thought or? it was good. Yeah, thought, it was, it was, it was good. fun. Before we get into specifics, if you look at the cover, there is a number fifteen on two circles that are crossing over in the upper right hand corner. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Is this just I, think that mean, the... I think that means they're on Earth 15. 
Yes, it is, because that is what Earth they're ah, on. Ah, yeah. okay. So now we've got a new kind of thing, a treatment to identify what Earth they're on. Fascinating. I, I, okay. That, that, that marketing campaign that they're using yeah. with the big split page with all the clues on it and this yeah. with all the clues on it, good work. I think that's good. You well, don't actually, have I was to... Looking at, I was actually looking at the, the first one, and I still... I'm, and admittedly, I'm not the DC guru that you know Connor is or that other folks might be or whatever, but like I feel as if... I still don't feel as if those those pieces have been completely explained, and I know they're still going to be fleshed out. But like, I still don't know why Superman was crying in the first one. Like, it was over parenting issues. What parenting issues? Because Superboy died. Like what? Like, um, I don't. Know. I maybe? just feel like, I, I like those pieces, but I was looking at the villain one. And I was trying to figure all the stuff out. Well, the villain mm-hmm. one hasn't even right. Yeah, no. But then then that made me remember the hero one. I'm like, so is the hero one over? Is the hero one still being figured out? I think it's genius. It was a great campaign. Yeah, I think I think I'm get I'm guessing it's figured out. But it yeah. was there was so many things to it. You know, like, you know what I'm stupid is every time I turn to that two page, but I think it's part of the story. <laughs> every every single. Oh issue, no! What's go, happened? Oh oh wait oh. I thought so um, what did you think of of this one specifically? Did did I mean this? I actually I actually really liked it. Yeah. I mean I I thought it was good because I thought this you know like it's funny because I think the comparison of Countdown where I don't know if we made this comparison of 52 but the comparison of Countdown to a TV a weekly TV show as I feel as if applies the most on this show on this on the show on this comic mm-hmm. and I felt like this was the closest to a TV show like plot because we saw glimpses of the different main characters and mm-hmm. there was a bit of a focus on the on the the Jason Todd, Donna Troy, Kyle Rayner team, mm-hmm. but like we saw the you know the rogues at the at the wedding fight, and we saw the um, you know we saw a little bit of Jimmy Olsen, we saw a little bit of um, of other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, but, was... um, but the majority of the time was spent on the Jason Todd thing, which I thought was great. I mean, it was really cool to see. I love anytime there's a multiple Earth, I'm in. You know? It's very. It's, this was very similar to the Teen Titans number fifty one that we just talked about last week, where. They're getting a glimpse of their possible what they could yes. have. They could become in another world. What they could have grown up to be. On Earth 15, they run into the JLA, and it consists of a General Zod as Superman, Jason Todd as Batman, Donna Troy as Wonder Woman, that sort of thing. And Kyle mm-hmm. Rayner as Green Lantern. Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern, yeah. yeah, and and a girl as the Atom. Yeah, yeah, Just <laughs> some girl, some chick. Well, her last name was Palmer, though. She was like yeah, Andrea Palmer or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so. Um, and I love the jokester, by the way, or the yeah. jokist or whatever his name is. Yeah, so. Well, this you should have bought. Then I'm not, we're not going to really talk about it. But the countdown special that came out was all about him. Yeah, I didn't. I took a. I took a. I took a line in the sand with the with the special. The Search for Ray Palmer, Crime Society Number One was all about the jokester's world and how he. Is there an Earth on it, on the cover? I'm Earth obsessed. three. Earth three. That's so cool. Okay, now I that, just feel now if, that I know that's what it means. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. So if you're looking at DC books, if there's two round blue circles that are crossing over, and there's a number that identifies what Earth it takes place on. That's genius. Advertise that. Tell that. Explain yeah. that. I know they're trying to sell a lot of books, but if they're pimping a weekly book on me that I'm buying every week, yeah. maybe try to put the whole story into there. Well, oh, it's hard. you can't always hard. fit, you know, I'm fifty. Yeah. But they got. If, you, if you're going to take a, a sidetrack to a book that's got it's twenty-two pages of the jokester's backstory, mm-hmm. you're not going to put it in. Well, that's similarly to similarly to Detective Comics this right. week, which I forgot to buy, but I read Josh's copy. And, and it was funny. Jo- I did. I know. I forgot to buy. I don't. I heard, trust me. I already beat myself up for forgetting to buy it. Because um, I don't buy Batman. Stupid, I'm stupid, not, stupid. I know. I'm not programmed to go look at Batman, even with Dini. But Josh pointed out after I read it, he's like, you don't really need to buy it after you read it. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to have it. Like, no, I but I thought it was a fun. It, it was a fun. It, it was a good tale. But what it was was, was that it was a countdown story that basically gave us um, the background of why Harley Quinn is in the Athena's Temple with people. Yeah. Which really place. helped. Can I just say this? Yeah. I didn't realize that this wasn't 
a regular Batman book until later. I mean, like, I think I picked it up and I was like, it's, it's Detective. I made the shirt. It was Deanie. And then, like, the next day I realized that it, I was like, wait a minute. That wasn't a Batman story. It was just a countdown story. But I, yeah. I hadn't yeah. noticed it once I started reading it, it's which like, I, it's is good. It's almost like that, that could have been – I mean, I really feel like the, the only link to Detective was the Riddler mm-hmm. because the Riddler was part of well, Deanie's ongoing kind of – Well, no, and Harley. No, right. No, but as far as what Deanie's been doing with Detective, the Riddler's been an ongoing kind of subplot. But you could have pulled this out and made it a countdown special. Exactly. That's the, yeah, so. and, and I was, you know, I was fine with that. Like it didn't bug me because it was good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, and also, it, it offers glimpses, glimpses into um, there's uh, there's the apocalypse the apocalypse angle to what's going to happen. Josh mm-hmm. had a really good comment about that. At the end, at the end, um, basically the plot of the story is that Bruce Wayne hires the Riddler to chase down a, an employee of Wayne Enterprises who quit, uh, who stole some f- serum and quit and, and ran away to Metropolis and joined the Athena's Temple. Right. And because they don't allow men in there, Harley, you know, Riddler met with Harley Quinn and she helped them out and she sussed out this girl. And it ends with the girl handing over the serum to a shadowy figure in a cloak. And it's, who, it's, it's Desaad. It's Desaad who I works for Darkseid who that. we know because we're nerds. Right. But I barely know that's Desaad. Right. And, right. and I think that, and it's something that they do in DC a little too much. Right. Is assume that, you know everything. Yep. Like I don't have a who's who in my hand. No, I don't. And and well, I think yeah. I don't know what that means. I don't know the time, significance the of it. Countdown. Well, Watch the significance detective. is that he's Darkseid's minion. So you no, know see, Dark I, right. Involved. And I know, I know that. who that is. But you know that because you know it. But most I watched people the cartoon. Don't. He was all, they were all over the <laughs> cartoon. No, but I mean, it's a very valid point. If, no, I agree with you. If I'm, I'm not, a casual I'm fan, dis- even yeah. even in the first issue of Countdown when Darkseid and Desaad are in there, I'm not going to remember all the way back there. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason why she can't use his name in this yeah. scene. This, I it, agree that, with you. but also, you know, like you kind like you need to find some way to explain that. If we had narration, like we there's only a few characters that you can get away with that on. Like you yeah. can, like the Joker, fine. Darkseid know- even. Kind of. I say Darkseid. You know what? Lex Luthor you can do it on and the Joker, but maybe not so much Darkseid. Right. T- you know, like, it depends on the level of... I, I think wanna... that's a very valid comment, though. Yeah. I think that's, that is. I just, and they've done it a couple times, and I think that, like, if you want to make Countdown for diehard DC people, fine. Right. But... But if I'm, I'm casually reading Detective because I'm kind of into Batman, mm-hmm. and if this is going to pull me into Countdown, which this very well could... I'm, I'm, that's a question I have but then again that question you'd be like who's that guy that's, go look into more right. things I well mean, then there needs to be an asterisk there yeah. that from more on Desaad see what Desaad does in this or, issue or, yeah. or even like you know like make a web component fit in with it well, like, like take work I, I know that but know. it'll take work it's fucking Time Warner no, I know I, I, I know <laughs> um, and uh, bring back asterisks and narration please yeah. Uh, yeah I mean I knew who it was but shit yeah. So. Um, I'm swearing a lot already. Jeez. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about Faker number four, which I, we haven't really talked very much about. This is kind of a... Are you guys both reading this? I am. Oh, I thought you were, Ron. Nope. Um, nine. nine. Well, it's Mike Carey and, and Interiors by Jock. Um, it's Who is a, not... He's, I think he's penciling this after he's done with Green Arrow. Yeah, no, I think so. The, I think end, the art is not nearly as good. His hand hurts after Green yeah, Arrow. It's not, yeah, it's not nearly as good as the Green Arrow. <laughs> so I don't, I don't mind it. I think it fits. No, the it's story. not bad. I'm just saying, like you can see the cares in the Green Arrow book, Bef- and this is. Not I'm before enjoying you get into this. it. I'd like to say oh. I like the cover. Yeah, yeah. it's a great, great cover. Yeah, good design. I'm really enjoying this, and the first issue, I had no idea what was going on. First like, two, really. For, right, and and I was like, all right, you know what? It's a six issue series. I'm gonna give it the the benefit of the doubt, and it's 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 been like. An interesting sci-fi story, basically. It's turned into that. I think the yeah. first two, two and a half, maybe even three issues was really confusing it's as to be what fan- was happening. It's, it's going to be another one that's going to be a pretty good trade. Yeah, basically, it's, 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 uh, it's, it takes place in, in Europe, right? I mean, it's UK. What? Because they all speak like... you. They, no, they it's all, not. They it's all, like in the middle of Minnesota. In, in this issue, they all speak with European dialect, though. I didn't get that Yeah, at they all. absolutely do. 
the way they speak. I, you know what? I think we're gonna have to fight over this the one. The phrases. I can't pull it out right now because no, they're in like here. the middle of Minnesota. Or I know something. they may be, but this this issue in particular, he doesn't he doesn't change the dialogue to sound more American. It sounds the way they the way they speak, and I can't really go through it now. We'll talk about it after the show. But um, I don't. I would you people out there, you put it on the message board. I want to know what you think about that because I disagree. They totally speak like Europeans, but um, uh, says Connor. It's well, I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's turned into it's basically turned into a wacky sci-fi tale, which I think yeah. is good. And it's fun. We don't we don't really get enough of those. Uh, it's just a six issue series. Um, I've just been digging it, and I just wanted to bring it up in case people were curious if it was any good. Uh, it is, I think. And and it, while it's not the same jock art as on Green Green Arrow, I think it's incredibly appropriate. I still really like his work. Um, and there. There you go. That's it. That's what I've said. Cool. Well, the um, the book this week that I think I was the only one who bought um, <laughs> was uh, Omega the Unknown by Marvel. Um, issue number one came out. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I want to talk about this is because this was kind of um, – this is interesting because what happened was – and here I'm marking. I was in the comic book store, and I saw a postcard from Marvel with the cover, and I, and I saw the Marvel logo, and I saw the art, which I thought was, was interesting. And I said, I wonder what that is, and I went and looked it up. Turns out Omega the Unknown was an old Marvel comic that was created by – it was written by Steve, Steve Gerber from Howard the Duck fan. Right. And um, it was illustrated by Jim Mooney. Um, it was actually written by Steve Ger- Gerber and Mary Screens. And it was only 10 issues and in, like, the late 70s, like 76, 77. And for some reason, it's considered, like, a cult classic or whatever. It's similar to almost, like, the new universe kind of concept where it's not – has no t- – as far as I can tell, has no ties to, like, the Avengers or mm-hmm. Fantastic Four. I think it's just this completely unique story about this hero – um, who has the Omega symbol kind of uh, is a prominent type thing. And there's a young boy who is like unusually mature and it's like kind of an alter ego type thing. So whatever. It's been in the, in the, in the Marvel archives for all these years, whatever. Um, this issue is the first issue of a ten, ten, uh, similarly 10-issue series. It's written by Jonathan Lethem. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lethem, who's a, uh, who's a writer. He wrote Fortress of Solitude and so he's an author. And it's drawn by Farrell Darrell 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 I love his art. Yeah, that's the thing. This book, if you take away the Marvel logo, and I told you that Top Shelf put it out, uh-huh. or another alternate com- uh, uh, indie comic, yeah. that's the feel it has. I didn't know, because you had, you had been like, you're going to buy this? And I was like, mm-hmm. and then you're like, you don't know who Jonathan Lethem is? And I was like, I've never heard of him before. Yeah. And I guess I should know, because yeah, I read I, books, I, but I just whatever, I never came across him. Right. Um, but just as soon as you handed it to me, the cover struck me immediately. I was like, wow, yes, look at that. I know. And it's Pharrell Dalrymple, who I've, I've heard of and I've seen his work before. I love his work. So, so now great. what's even more interesting is that when Gerber found out they were doing this, he flipped out because <laughs> he wasn't involved. Because uh-huh. Gerber's kind of like, he's, the, he's one of the old school creators who's got a little bit of a short fuse. Apparently they've worked it all out and Gerber talked to Lethem and they've worked that. that that's <laughs> and somehow another Howard the Duck mini is being yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not written by Gerber. Oh, is it not? No, it's not. That's the first, it's the first one. Never. Did you read the, the, I think it was Max when they came out with the Howard the Duck. Yeah. But it was wasn't the, him? That was Gerber. No, yeah, it, was it was Gerber. It, yeah, was, it awful. was Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but anyway, so. Um, Gerber so, did do the incredibly good hard times for DC, which nobody bought or read and they canceled. Just sorry. To, I'm sorry, Steve. Just to, to, to so he can still do it. Oh, no, I believe he totally can. So, yeah. But what I thought was, it, so Farrell, Dar- Farrell Dalrymple, he's best known for Pop Gun War. Um, which uh, was released by Dark Horse. And a long time ago, on an earlier version of iFanboy, we did have a review of that book I by a contributor. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sam Costello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what happened to him. He's a journalist. Uh, 
okay. This really isn't for anybody else. Anyway, rhetorical. Nonetheless, um, <laughs> I was just the first issue didn't blow me away. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like oh my god, this is the best comic I've ever written. But I could see this collection mm-hmm. becoming one of those things that like I'm surprised Marvel's doing it. I think it's really cool. This is a Marvel book. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Connor, I just we handed, just handed Connor, Connor yeah, and he's flipping through it. It's. I'm telling you, it has the feel of an indie. It does. It's still a superhero book. The story is good. I mean, mm-hmm. it turns out this boy, there's, it starts off with this 10-year-old boy who already from the get-go, you can tell, is like either gifted or special or different. And his parents are driving him into New York to, to start to attend school. Apparently, he's been homeschooled. They get into a car accident, and he, roll, he rolls out of the car, and he sees his mother's head. Ugh. And That's no good. there are wires coming out of it. Turns out his parents were robots. Oh, every I time. I hate when that happens. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. And so then, but he has these dreams of this superhero um, who looks like the Omega, the unknown guy. But then there's some, some weird crossover. Then the boy gets attacked in the hospital. But then the Omega, mm-hmm. I'm assuming Omega, the unknown, pops in and saves him. And then it's and then it kind of ends with. Um, this is the only one odd thing is that he has no parents, and so they're this hospital and the and the police are trying to figure out what to do with them. And there's one nurse who's taking a like to the boy, so like we'll let the nurse take him home, mm-hmm. which I thought was a little it was a little weird. I don't think that mm-hmm. they yeah he'd go into an orphanage. It's or like something. a '70s conceit. Yeah, yeah, but you kind of have to go with but it. it. So I don't know what the what the true relationship, and then it ends with the boy after the fight. He's got Omega symbols on his hands, and they're smoking like so, Lobster Johnson. Yeah, kind of, and um. <laughs> But so I don't. So I'm. I'm assuming the superhero is the boy, and it was a manifest, manifestation mm-hmm. of the boy. We're gonna find out. But this is just unlike anything Marvel's putting out. Can I? Can I say something? Way just just from that. looking at it, I'm gonna make a proclamation. Okay. With a book like this. Yep. Which they don't. They, I don't think they clearly know how to market. I don't think they know what to do Most with cards it. Cards in the comic book store. So it caught me. I know, but it, like it. And I'm uh, a fucking podcaster. Well, this is what I'm saying. What <laughs> they should have, have done. The pulse. They should have sent the two first issues of that to every podcaster they could have think of, and let us see it and talk about it. Yeah. Well, and no, I'm yeah, really no, serious. I, yeah, that is the kind of book that a buzz should be built up on. But if they yeah. just put it out there and nobody knows about it, and nobody sees it until after it's come and gone, it's it's not going to succeed. Dead. It's dead in the water already. And I, yeah. like that is an example of, of where I think Marvel marketing can fail. Or, well, or all, all, all of all, all, all of co- fine, all comics marketing. Yeah. But like that, you yeah. could you could generate a serious pre buzz on that book if they knew how to do yeah. it. And putting up a story in Newsarama doesn't work because they put up a story in Newsarama for everything that's going to come right. out. Well. Yes, I, I of course you're preaching to the choir. We, I know that, and so we're doing our part I'm, here. So I, well, I'm not just talking to you guys. <laughs> so we're and we're doing our part here. I read it. I, I want to lend it to you guys. You guys check it out. I, and if you're listening, if you want, if you like superhero books, if you like good writing, Jonathan Lethem is a known good writer. Um, go find Omega the Unknown number one. Check it out. Give it a try. Dalrymple's art is worth it alone. So and again, like I'm telling you, this looks like a non-Marvel or yeah, it looks like a top shelf superhero book which yeah, by exactly. the way to us it sounds great you might yeah. love Mark Michael Turner and that's your choice too and that's fine and that's fine too yeah I mean I, I love Mark Bagley and I love you know uh, I love you know all the other artists and stuff like that that are that work for both companies and stuff like that but I also like books like this like yeah, this, this exactly. really resonated with me so. um, cool if you wanted to pick it up and you were walking around New York City you could probably go to Jim Henley's Universe which is one of the best and most progressive comic book stores in the country um, where they have books that are like this that really are indie books and, and all the way in between I uh, saw the postcard there. Actually. Jim Hanley's Universe offers the best selection of comic titles and related merchandise. They have lots of statues. From mainstream to manga to minis, uh, Jim Hanley's got everything in there. They really do. Lots of t-shirts. Uh, if you're in New York City, you can come to the place where art and literature meet. Uh, they are in Midtown, uh, across the Empire State Building on uh, 33rd Street, or on Staten Island at 325 New Dorp Lane. Uh, when you're there, make sure you tell them my fanboy sent you in. You can go to their website, which is jhuniverse.com, or visit them on MySpace and friend them. Uh, myspace.com slash Jim Hanley's universe. Uh, thank you. All right, cool. Thank you, Jim Hanley's. And, and we want to thank Jeff again for hosting our 100th episode last week. 
Um, we apologize for the uh, audio troubles that we had last week, but trust us, our next um, live show will be much. We better. have to do another one just to make up exactly. for it. Exactly. So, 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 um, so you know, keep keep an eye out in the upcoming months. Maybe we'll do one around the holidays. Who knows? It's, it's quite possible. Maybe there'll be gifts. All right. So on to the email. Um, our first email comes from Chris from Grand Forks, North Dakota, um, who says he was listening to some older podcasts and he remembers us mentioning a hundred bullets. Um, the initial plot sounded interesting. Sorry, I had to scroll. Uh, he's like, but I, he remembers us saying uh, at some point they started to move away from the initial plot, and it became uh, it became a bit confusing for him. Um, he's curious, what trade did they stop using the concept, and have we picked it up? Have we picked it back up since then? Okay, uh, th- you're a little backwards on it. In that originally, what it was it was a really simple concept where it would be a th- two or four story arc where a character who you didn't know would be approached by a shadowy agent who had a case, and in this case, there were a hundred bullets and they were completely untraceable, and then they would furnish you with. Uh, information and, and proof a gun. about and a gun and, a, and information and proof about a person who had wronged you and you would see inter- incontrovertible proof and it was up to you whether you wanted to kill them or not and that was the moral quandary. That was the, a brilliant premise. Oh God! The the first fifteen sixteen issues were just several stories in this vein and they were somewhat connected and then the actual what happens then an overall plot seemed to develop. Um, and conspiratorial backstory. Yeah, a con- it's like secret organizations and things like that. And eventually, and I would say really in the 30s was when it started to unravel for me. It just got to be too confusing and I didn't understand who anyone was and I really liked the simplicity of the first few stories. And I actually made it into the 50s before I just gave up. It's supposed to go 100 issues because it's 100 bullets and I think that might be a bit of a stretch. Um, I know. I, I think I have the first trade for sure. I may have the second one. Those are really good. Mm-hmm. The first one, it was good. You got it for me for Christmas, I believe. Yeah, and they're not. It's. I don't even want to say it was bad. I got really confused by it, and I couldn't follow it anymore. And maybe it reads better in trades. You see, but, now, I don't read it, uh-huh. or I read the first trade, but that was it. But I've heard that from other people. Yeah. So that's why I believe you guys. Yeah. All right. I mean, like you know, he always needs third party to no, no, no. justify our opinion. Like, you, know, you know, when you hear something quite often, then yeah. it's probably got some truth to it. No, absolutely. So, yeah, so. It seems to be. A and, you know, I'm not. I'm not dumb. I'm not easily confused, but. Like, well, shiny, shiny, shiny things. things. Look over here, Josh. Look oh. over here. Uh. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I really, it was a great concept. Yep. And I mean, so the are tone. You, are you, so are you going to go back and read? I, I mean, don't know. I want to know. I'm, I'm curious if, if I hear that it ends really well, but I have a feeling that it's muddy as muddy as muddy. And I, I just think that. Is the kind of thing where the con- he kind of, kind of got away from him, you think? I think it did a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and, and there's no shame in that. His tone, his dialogue, his mood, all that stuff, the act, it's great. It's yeah. beautiful. Every issue, like literally, you could buy it just for the art. And what are we That's just how good it is. Um, but for me, it got to be too much to hold on to. The, those first trade or two are, are brilliant. I mean, literally, as good as anything that's been done from Vertigo. Cool. There you go. All right, so our next email comes from Mush from London. Um, Hello, Mush. Mush. Um, he's been watching the Justice, or he or she has been watching the Justice League Unlimited cartoons and saw that the Green Lantern was with Hawkgirl in it, and then started dating Vixen. According to Wikipedia, the Hawkgirl character was given a Hispanic accent to maintain a multicultural tone. This got him thinking about other African American characters in the world of comics, such as Storm and the Black Panther. And it seems to me that if there are any non-white characters in comics, they're only allowed to be with other non-white characters when it comes to romance. He's from London, where people mix more. 
London sounds interesting. Have you ever lived here? I'm like, to New York, my friend. People mix more. So I was wondering if this is a reflection on U.S. society, and also curious if you guys noticed this. I thought he was going to ask if we were interested in. Um, <laughs> yeah, are we, are we talking about race or class? How about that, London? <laughs> and then, um, and then he's just he said he just remembered Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. So it might so it might seem that his question is moot, but he still thinks there's something to discover here. He just negated himself. Connor was fascinated by this. Yeah, no, I think it's I think I think there's an element of them. Sometimes t- awkwardly sticking together minority characters. Like Storm and Black Panther. Or Storm and Bishop. Stop, pissed me off so much. But. Because before that, Storm was with Forge. Wh- was which is, which is where I think a, there's a lot more. I think the other side is more prevalent where they do. There's a lot of interracial, de- interracial romance in comics. I think actually. From the big two. I think comics, com- comics, Marvel comics especially, have always been really kind of progressive about that kind Didn't of Green thing. did Green Arrow sleep with the Black, Black Lightning's niece or something like that that she died? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but like characters like Sorry. that was like I have a black friend. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I just the comics that. That. Um, That's awful. Well, he's, oh, he's already mentioned Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. There's also currently um, Mr. Terrific and Sasha in Checkmate, mm-hmm. which is awesome. and there is Wally West and Linda Park Asian in the Flash. And Flash. Yeah. Um, there was uh, For- Storm and Forge, which, which we just mentioned. Yep. Uh, we just we talked about this before. Uh, what about uh, Richter and Ronnie? In X Factor, they just hooked up. Yeah, well, Ron. Yeah, isn't he, he's, uh, he's Latino. He might I believe be. so. Yeah, yeah, he might be. I forget. They draw um, him kind of brownish. He's, he's whiny. <laughs> <laughs> is that a race? Is whiny a race? <laughs> yeah, it is. There's whiny. lots of alien human crossovers. No, but the, 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 there are. I mean, the, the, there's less minority characters, so there's yeah. not. But Hepsiba and and the hell Warpath and what are you panty. what are you saying? The cat, the um, of course, uh, girlfriend. Yeah. Um, Did that chicken dude ever get to hook up with anyone? Oh yeah, no. Um, Beak. Yeah, Beak. Really? And, I was and, kidding. And, and, yeah, no, and and, and um, what's her name? Um, the the girls. They had babies. Remember the wings? What was Angel? The Morrison's run. I don't remember. I but, yeah, you know what I mean. The girl. Yeah, in, the I, ultimate, I don't, in, the ultimate, in the ultimate world, you've got Ultimate Storm with Wolverine. You, she also oh, previously dated Hank McCoy. Yeah. Uh, Kitty Pride, Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the most dangerous discussion we've ever had. On the Colossus podcast. Russian. We should stop now. Okay. So um, yeah. So I, I mean, and she's dating Peter. I think the. I think the. Who, who I, might be Jewish? That's an ultimate. Doesn't count. Um, <laughs> no. In the, not, in the ultimate world, Peter's gay. <laughs> <laughs> No, really. No, Peter, Peter Parker. Oh, not Peter Rasputin. Rasputin. No, yeah. Peter oh, Parker and Kitty Pryde. Oh, but also homosexual. There's yeah. no star. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. we're gonna stop talking about this because we, we are uncomfortable. But um, I guess the I guess our our main uh, thought was that comics has led the way. We believe comics has led the way in mixing. In, it's in mainstream yeah. culture. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's what we think. So anyway. All right, our next question. Please get away from this one. Um, is from David from Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, Edinburgh. He just he he just finished reading Preacher for the first time due to due to part um, due to in part of Josh's post on iFanboy.com about rereading Preacher. He has to say he feels a bit let down. It had solid writing and art, but what's the point? So his question is, what is? <laughs> <laughs> what? It had solid writing and art, but what's what the, the point? point? That is what the is, point. What has been the biggest comic letdown? That series that got you so excited to start but left you disappointed at the end. And in a sub question, am I missing something in Preacher? Yes. Let's let's do the preacher question. Um, yes, you're missing something, preacher. That's uh, I am going say. to be following up that post that you're talking about with a pretty detailed on ifanboy.com. Uh, <laughs> a pretty detailed uh, review of the books. Um, and then I think at some point we we should probably do a show on this, a video yeah, show. Yeah, I think we yeah. should. Um, preacher, definitely. let us know if you want us to. Um, at some point in the future, contact at ifanboy.com. I mean, I, I, all I can say is I just reread it, um, and it's even better than I thought it was. 
I, I, I mean, I came to Preacher late in the game, and mm-hmm. uh, it blew me away. I yeah, I can, yeah. yeah, I think that I think the thing is the people not getting Preacher, and I, I mean, it has to do. It has to. I think it has to do a lot with the kind of the out there violence and the out there kind of situations and the kind of wackiness that happens with it. You take that but, away though, and what you've got is, I mean, just incredible concept, story about friendship. Story. Uh, yep. The yeah. story is so well structured from beginning to end. You've got a five Cassidy year run. And Tulip. Vampire this, and white girl. I, I mean, I can, <laughs> see the thing is, I can go on. He's Irish too. Oh, right, there you go. Yeah, um, right. But she's actually Tulip O'Hare. So right, but he's a vampire. That All right, enough. Both, no, no. That means they're both Irish. Yeah. Um, but he's a vampire. So, and I was Match. originally I thought, well, maybe Set you know, because you're not American, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but yeah. it's, a, it's a no, it's a very much American story. It's based on American Westerns. Even though but then again, Garth Ennis is from Northern Ireland, so that and Steve really, Dillon is not American. Either. Yeah, um, so, no, he's so not. that doesn't really follow. Uh, I'll give you more on this. I don't know why you don't like it. <laughs> Good writing and good art is usually the, the point of the yeah. story. But, the um, thing. He's, he, he, wait, did you read the whole thing? I don't know. It's, I mean, the thing is because the ending does get to be, the ending. It, here's yeah. the thing, though, is that I don't think it's a thing where you have to read all the way through. We should save it for the show if we're going to do it. We show. should. Yeah. So his, uh, his first question was, was there a comic that let us down? I think more often than not that happens for me with indie stuff. Interesting. I think I'm not as often let down. Like, you know, because you, stuff, you, stuff in the indie world gets really hyped up in certain circles. Exactly. And, then, and then you read it and you're like, well, I've read better Books or seen better movies on the same subject. Like, right. I remember, I remember in two thousand, like the Golem's Mighty Swing. Everybody talked about that as the best that. book ever, and I read it. and I was like, that's it. Like, yeah. nothing. Blankets. I blankets, blankets. Thought was very average. Thirty Days of Night recently for me. I just, oh, yeah. I just finished reading reading it in preparation. For Thirty the Days of Night was all about hyping the concept. It's a great brilliant, concept. brilliant high concept. concept. I literally closed the book. I'm like, that's it. I thought, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was like, uh, yeah that's but, why um, I never read it. The, cla- the colossal disappointment, though. I mean, I, that's a great con- point, though, about the indie books do get hop- hyped. But the colossal disappointment, I think, was the Dark Knight Two. Was that how how much hype and excitement for that? And then you got the first issue. Remember, it's like, what really? First issue was pick of the week. First issue was good yeah. pick of the week. I got to say, it? and this is another thing that I think yeah. we should not go too far on this because yeah. um, this is a show. This, it's a show, and I think we should be doing it in the future. <laughs> I just reread Dark Knight Two. It, it's, it's actually not that bad. That's, no, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> right. stop there. Stop. <laughs> it's re, it's actually really good, and and I think that it was a. Problem. I think it suffered from the art. Uh, I think the color. Anyway, all right. A lot for That's me. A lot art. of a lot of DC stuff. A lot of like their big other big events. Like like Kingdom Come, I didn't get. Wow. Whoa. Wow. I need to reread it again, but I, I really wow. felt disappointed wow. in that. You're uh, off the show. <laughs> Fine. Silence. Really? <laughs> Can you do that? I just fired Josh. Because I kind of wanted to talk to you, Connor, about uh. that. <laughs> All right. Um, it's part of the format change. All right. So our next, e- our next email comes from Liam. Um, he wants to know, how easy do we find it to find, quote, unquote, good indie books? <laughs> well, don't ask Connor. Because <laughs> we only find shitty ones. Good meaning writers and comics suited to your own tastes. I find the variety and talent is so vast, it's pretty much impossible to find anything really good until it's been out for months and has a great reputation. Did you guys find this? You all talk about reading Strangers in Paradise, Bone, Bendis' indie stuff, etc. But how much of this did you find before they all got famous? How much of it is how much of it how much is it you picking up trades years after the original release? Any advice for people managing to find the right indie work for them? It's much more difficult than the big two where you tend to know what you're gonna get. I would just like to say mm-hmm. Trendsetter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank well, you. Yeah, but Strangers in Paradise in issues. Okay, but here's the here's Bone a, in issues. No, here's something this Bendis question in issues. Shut up. Here's the thing that this question is making the <laughs> conceit that it's only worth finding stuff before it's popular. That's the underlying thing here because he's saying, are you only finding stuff after it's known? Right. What difference that's does it make? That's a very good point. Yeah, that's very Like, funny. you need to be cool enough to, if I found this before it was well, cool, Ron, I never... Ron clearly does. It's, I, easy, it's easy to say when you are cool. I mean, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's much harder to think... You can, you, can, you can get defensive about that when you're not cool. So, I'm, I'm kidding, <laughs> I, I'm I guess, but... I'm you joking, know, no. I mean, I, I, I honestly... I, in the 90s, I got into a lot of indie books because I... 
no, literally stumbled into it. Where I literally, I was 18, wandered into a comic book store in Manhattan, saw something that looked curious, and bought it. Yeah. And that's what, that's what started me down the path. It happened to be Strangers in Paradise. There's a, so couple, a couple of problems. One is that there's, there's virtually no marketing behind indie books. That's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, this, and, and his point being of us finding stuff afterwards, that's why I read indies almost solely in trade. Mm-hmm. Because I don't particularly want to buy you 10 indie to, books off the shelf and maybe three will be good. You I would have to take home. a lot of chances and spend a lot of money yeah. to find something that you like because there's actually there's tons of it. Well, that's the other problem. There's so much. Well, it's figuring and, out what's, the what's is, good. The thing is that I just had two thoughts that I didn't share before when we talked about this earlier. Is One is that if you have the opportunity to go to conventions now, strolling the artist alley and strolling, strolling the away from the big company booths, that's a good way to find things. But there's a large volume, and you've got to be ready to pay a lot and take risks and, right. and know that some stuff's going to be crap. But then the, but the, other, th- but then the other thing is, is that you listen to our podcast. Go listen to Indie Spinner Rack. They do a very good job of covering the indie scene and covering the kind of the comics that come out of that, and they make a lot of recommendations. And recently, I've taken their recommendations and things like the surrogates from yeah. Top Shelf and stuff like that. Um, that that's a good source. You, I, but I, what I thought ironic was that I thought the internet would make it easier to find indie comics, and I don't it makes think it that's harder. Makes I, well, harder, I yeah. don't know if that's entirely true. I think if you look on places like I, I think our forum is actually well, a really good place it, to it, have it, people talk about. It ties into his thing of needing buzz. These right. books need buzz. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's the problem. Well, here's the thing: is that whether something is 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 hot or not, like it, it's going to be good either way. Hot or and, not. and no, so if if you find out about an indie book, like if we find out an indie book, you know we're going to talk about it no matter what when it came out. Yeah, exactly. Most of the time, the yeah, stories I mean, are still it, good. Josh, you're right. I mean, it doesn't matter when it came out to appreciate it. The, the only thing is, is that when a book is currently in print. Getting people, getting that buzz and getting that excitement might allow it to continue when some good books might stop. And I have one other tip is that just find a thread you like. Like, for example, I find that a lot of books come out from Top Shelf that I like a lot. So I've watched the stuff that they're coming out with and the people. Read interviews with people from the books that you like and you'll find out stuff that they like. I'm the same way with Oni. I mean, like, exactly. I really like the Oni books. So I keep an eye out. Like, whatever Rick Spears is writing, I'm going to go and check it out. You know, like, I picked up Black Metal. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, you know, it was good because I like Pirates of Coney Island. Right. I, you know, like, you look, nowadays, look at Publishers like Oni, Top Shelf, Slave um, Labor, Planet Lar, Slave First Labor, Second, First Second, yeah, and look and, and follow the creators, go to their websites, keep an eye on it. And the thing is, if you want to make a commitment to indie comics, you've got to commit. You, it's, you just, it's not going to be in Wizard, you know, like you know, and you know, like that's just the case. unless it's really good in right. six months later, right? Exactly. So. All right, so those are the emails for this week. So if you have a question for us, you can email us at contactifanboy.com. We've gotten a lot of great emails recently, so um, so thank you very much for that. Um, but in the meantime, Connor's going to tell us about Netflix. Netflix has over 75,000 titles um, and no late fees. You can make a list online. You, you tell them what movies you want. They send them to you in the mail really fast. No uh, late fees. You keep them as long as you want. You watch them, send them back. If you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy, you get, you get a two-week free trial. And they've got, they've got monthly plans starting as low as $4.99 a month. Cool. We all love Netflix. Netflix.com. www.netflix.com slash iFanboy. All right, cool. So I'm I got halfway little, through ER. I got a little theme on our um, voicemail segue, segues this week. Um, our first voicemail comes from Chris, who, takes, who calls in from the same city as Grey's Anatomy. Oh, jeez. Hollywood? <laughs> hey, fanboys. This is Chris from Seattle. I was just wondering. Connor once referred to uh, Kingdom Come as the official, unofficial future of the DC universe. I was wondering, does Marvel have something equivalent? An official, unofficial sort of future that they're aiming at? I know X-Men have got like a zillion of them, but is there one for the Marvel-wide universe? Is 2099 it? Or any of the other lines that they've launched in the future? Anyway, 
Love the podcast. Have a nice night, boys. Actually, it does. It does and it came out shortly after. Co- uh, no, it was like three, four years. It was shortly, 90, 2000. Yeah, well, Kingdom Come was 97, 98, right? So I forget. It was, it was, it was yeah, close enough after. where it was. It, it was, was called Earth X. And what it was is it was concept, conceived by Alex Ross and written by Jim Kruger and drawn, painted by Alex Ross. And it was a. No, no, the no. interiors were John Paul Leon. Were yep. they? Yeah. He no, Alex covers. Ross covers the, where Alex you're right, Ross. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he literally was like he pitched it and then he gave it to somebody else to do. Yeah. Um, the art was good though. The Jean-Paul Young. That was, was good. Great. The story was a little shaky. Be- yeah. No, I, but I will never forget that best that scene with fat old uh, Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man was a cop yep. and he was. Fat. I was thinking of Wolverine. Oh, Wolverine and Jean Wolverine Grey. Wolverine and Jean Grey. Yeah. Yep. Oh, with broken marriage. Basically, it was it was Earth. It was an alternate Earth future. It was just similar to. It, I mean, it was literally. I think it was literally designed to be the equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was fun. It wasn't very. It wasn't right. great. But. Chris is calling from Seattle, by the way. Yeah. Um, our next voicemail comes from Carlos. Carlos, who's calling from the same city the new show Gossip Girl on the CW takes place in. Oh, that was shit. <laughs> it's actually a good show. Hey guys, this is Carlos calling from New York. Love the show. Just had a quick question. I was looking through um, Spirit Number Nine, and I saw an ad for Countdown to Adventure, and I was wondering how the hell Adam Strange got his eyes back. In 52, the guy was blind, and now he has two uh, brand new eyes. So if you guys can help me out with that, keep up the good work, and uh, take it easy. Bye. We're going to turn to the answer man, Josh, on this one. I'm now the answer man. I totally forgot about that. I don't know how his eyes came back. Um, Well, what happened was this. Oh, my browser moved. Um, Basically, (laughs) after the... Oh no! After they got... the answer um, man. All this time he's been reading off the internet. That's terrible. After the... um, after they got back from the whole 52 thing, they... He had no eyes. Adam Strange got He got back eyes. to Ran, and they they cloned him some new eyes. And I remember reading this somewhere. I don't remember where. It was either in 52 or in the beginning of Countdown to Adventure. But his new eyes have uh, the... They've been genetically altered by the ability to see the electromagnetic field. Which is good, because he's, he's no longer a superhero. Yeah, he's now unemployed, so it's not really going to make much of a difference. Cool. All right. Thank what you. What if they take those eyes back like they do, like they take back your computer when you leave the job? <laughs> Eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, um, and Carlos is calling from New York. Um, our next voicemail comes from Luke, who hails from the city where the Rockies are kicking ass in. Your theme went off the rails. Hi, hi, fanboy. This is Luke from Denver again. I'm the mysterious guy who did the uh, intro to complete history of Superman in however amount of time I did that. And uh, you said you wanted Wonder Woman, so uh, here's the history of Wonder Woman unabridged. Um, well, an issue came out about last May. And then about a month later, the next one came out. And then about six months later, the next one came out. And then I lost track. Um, apparently, she has some bracelets. And, um, yeah, um, she killed a guy once, I guess. So there's that. Um, Greg Rucka? I don't, I don't really know. Um, maybe, you should, maybe that should be a question. What do you guys think about Wonder Woman? <laughs> I love Luke. He's calling from Denver, by the way. I love Luke and his unabridged comic histories. Can you please keep sending them in? I believe that's I believe that's abridged. <laughs> it is abridged. But you know what? Yeah, that's a, that can be a feature. Next, um, could you do the Martian Manhunter for us next? Yes, please, Martian Manhunter. Um, Greg Rucka, <laughs> Ostrander, <laughs> Wonder Woman. Actually, I heard the Alan Heinberg thing on Word Balloon, and I kind of felt bad for the guy. So um, he, but he did say he's never doing monthly comics again, which yeah. is which is good. Well, Connor, what do you think of Wonder Woman? I stopped reading it. That's right. like me saying I'm never going to play Bro Ball. Pro ball. <laughs> yeah, Look, yeah, I can't. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, our next call comes from I don't know where it's come from. Derek, who's calling from Philadelphia, which has no current TV shows that take place in it. Yes, it is. Oh, it's is always it? done in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. There you go. 
Uh, this is Derek from Philly. Just wanted to say, you guys kind of dropped the ball on World War Hulk. Well, the main storyline is this crappiest Civil War. World War Hulk X-Men was a phenomenal series. Gotta look it up. Gotta read it. It's good. However, the new X-Men Messiah Complex, have you heard about this? It's, of course, reeks of Magneto, but... I'm excited about it. It's written by Ed Brubaker. It's been so long since I've been excited about an X-Men comic. Just wonder what you guys thought about it. Love the show. Bye. How do you know if we dropped the ball or not? I read that series. I just didn't want to talk about it. Um, because <laughs> World War Hulk doesn't doesn't color the whole thing. Yeah, it was fun. It was a romp. It was written by Christos Gage. It was drawn by somebody else, and um, whose name escapes me. But it was three issues of uh, the Hulk and the X-Men fighting. That was it. So it was the same as World War Hulk. Yeah, pretty much. So that's why we didn't talk about it because it was it was fun, but it wasn't earth shattering. It didn't change the World War Hulk storyline. If you if it didn't publish, the story would be fine. Um, but I bought all three issues and I enjoyed them. Um, X Men Messiah Complex. I am very excited about. And um, actually, Uncanny X Men number four ninety one wrapped up the um, the storyline that's been going on in there and is leading right into Messiah Complex, which will look to appear feature Magne- Magneto in some capability. But what I'm really excited about is in the teaser art for Messiah Complex. There's Angel. Haven't seen Angel in a long in a is he dead? years. No, no, he just hasn't. He just hasn't been around. Last time oh. we saw him was actually in the Hulk. He's one of your favorites, isn't he? I love Angel. Yeah. I I, I first bought the X Uncanny X Men when Brubaker came on. I've lasted about four issues. I dropped it. I came yeah. back for the second storyline. Yeah. I wasn't feeling that Ron convinced me to stay on until the end of this arc and Magneto showed up, and I'm done. I, I have no desire to jump into a multi-book crossover where I don't buy any of the books. So yeah, that's fair. I'm, I can't argue that. I'm done. Yeah. I'm, is it, it's uh, so disappointing. Yeah, but is it bad or is it just... Do you no, like I enjoy it? it, but I'm an X-Men fan. I mean, I, Maybe I, it's just you don't like X-Men books. No, I, I, I've always... I Claire my Jim Lee books. I've got hundreds of X-Men comics. These, yeah. This is just boring. Because a lot of people like it, I guess. Uh, but it's mixed. Yeah. All right, so our next voicemail comes from um, Zach, who resides in the same city as Bendis. Hey, I fanboy. It's... Zach from Portland, Oregon, and as you may know from the drawings I've done for you guys and whatnot, I have a love for art, and to further pursue my love of the arts, I am now going to the Art Institute of Portland. Sadly, I can no longer afford comic books because of school, and it really sucks, so after not reading or having not read comic books in over a month because I can't afford them anymore, I was wondering what you guys had to say about college and things like that and how you know it comes in the way of reading comics and things like that. Uh, thanks. You know, you got a couple of options, I think, because one, you're going to school for art, and you like comics, so it's actually not that far out of the realm of possibility that you consider that a, a legitimate expense. Maybe take out more of a loan if you're taking out school loans. And uh, I'm stuff. serious. Yeah, no, if no, it, no. You know. I mean, but the thing is, is that we all, we all, all three of us went to college together. We all read comics in college. And what? what no, I didn't. I didn't start buying well, it. After. Whatever. It's just to go, go with it. Um, <laughs> and um, you did it at the end. The thing is, is that Con- both Connor and no. I took the same route. And that we got jobs. I got a job. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a job. In, where'd you work? I worked at the fucking dining hall. And I worked in the library. I delivered and, pizza. Yeah. 
and as opposed to ordering pizza or buying video games or whatever, I bought comics. Yeah. Um, my, my, I also my worked. paycheck went into the bank and then it came out for comics and yeah. beer. I my, worked up a hell of a credit card debt. True, credit cards. And it might behoove you to get a job in the comic book store. I wouldn't suggest a credit card option, but I would no. suggest getting the job option. I mean, yeah, get the job, try to get a job in the comic book store, or find the public library. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure your college is near a town. Uh, I, I, honestly, I just think if you're going to school for art, you do need to be reading comics. You need to see what people are doing if that's the kind of art that you want to pursue. And I, we've seen your art. We've used it. You know, it's, yeah. it's great. I think you won a contest, I believe. I believe he won the Black Panther contest. Oh, cool. Um, he, we don't remember anything. I don't remember anything. Um, no, who who you know, are you guys? But you <laughs> what know am I there's, doing? There's, there's ways. You Bob, know what? you broke your leg. Well, you know what the thing is? is You said I read comics during college. I didn't. My roommates did, and I read all of theirs. Didn't cost me a dime. There you go. You just find the nerds. <laughs> just like seriously, go get like a like a like your like a set of speakers and play this show out in the quad. Whoever comes towards you, just, just hook say, up hey, with them. Your comics, and if they're a really hot, email us contact at fanboy.com. <laughs> or you can call us and leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Um, and you could also call and leave. Just I have them call us. Yeah. Call me. You know what? Just Connor at ifanboy.com. I don't, I, don't, I don't need that in my life. <laughs> All right, cool. So, um, so another week in the books. Um, normally we talk about uh, you should head over to ifanboy.com and check out the discussion there. Check out the pick of the week, Josh's review. Was nice discussion but there. we're not going to this time? Jason, Jason Aaron stopped by, which was nice of him to, to respond to. <laughs> that Josh's. was so ugh. But um, it was really cool. But actually, um, we're really excited because um, if you go to ifanboy.com between this Sunday and this Thursday at noon, we're going to have a thread at the top of the page up there where uh, Jim McCann, who works at Marvel, has been kind enough to uh, allow us to do a special podcast with him where he will answer any of our questions. Oh, wait. He's, no, he doesn't just work at Marvel. He's no, he's, the, uh, he's like he, – he's, yeah, all the all those art that you see and all the mar- – he's, he's the director of public relations. Yeah, yeah, marketing, marketing director. Yeah, PR guy. So, so um, he recently did something similar to this on the Bendis board where he took questions on the forum, that sort of thing. But we're taking it a step further. We want your questions – so we're doing it word balloon style. So come on to ifanboy.com. Write whatever you're curious about Marvel. There's going to be some rules. The only rule is going to be he's not going to be. Hello, everybody. We're here with Jim McCann. I he's not going to be commenting on uh, creative teams, like who, upcoming creative teams, like you know Frank Cho and stuff like that. But anything else is anything goes. Mm-hmm. And um, we're not going to take any email questions. Right. It's You've got to be, be come to ifanboy.com and you got to post him in that thread. He's going to read from the thread. It's not going to. Don't send us email questions. We're not going to use them. And then that show is going to be released next Sunday at the same time as next week's pick of the week. Yeah. So, Here, um, here's a tip, just that I've learned from from Marvel. Uh, uh, what are they called? Panels. Don't ask what's going to happen in the upcoming storyline. They never, ever tell you. They just don't. It's a, it's a great opportunity to ask about stuff with the current books that are coming out, as well as if there's anything in Marvel history. To see, because Jim knows his stuff. I mean, Connor and I, we, we were talking to Jim the other night. He's, he's working at the right company. Yeah, he is. So. Well, you, could say, you could say, like, I really like Tigra. Are we going to see her again? Yeah. You know? But don't be like, how's the Thor story going to end? Right. That's I'll tell you, so you don't have to buy the book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so be sure to check that out. So go to ifanboy.com, as well as the other great conversations there, but also give us questions for, uh, to ask Jim at Marvel. So Cool. So um, we also do a video show that comes out every week. Boy, do we. <laughs> Will Jim be answering relationship questions? Possibly. Because that's, that's kind of our thing. We can, we can run that by him. <laughs> all right. All right. That's fine. Dear Jim, I have a rash. <laughs> Every, Saturday, Every Saturday, our video show comes out on ifanboy.com and at revision3.com. Um, the most recent, the show that came out yesterday was our 100th episode show. Yesterday so, from this tape. Yeah. So you could see it after mm-hmm. hearing it last week. And then this upcoming Saturday, um, we've got. Uh, I don't even know what day it is. What day is this? I'm confused. Fourth wall, fourth wall. I don't know where um, we are. Next Saturday, um, we're going to have a, a show dedicated to voicemail. We'll be answering your questions. Ah, yes. Uh-huh. So, very excited. 
Lovely. Um, <laughs> if you want to wear a T-shirt that says iFanboy on it, why in the world wouldn't you? And then says intern on the back because I would want to be an iFanboy intern were I not on the well, show. That's where we're demoting you to. Really? Yes. Yeah, I don't so. think you can do that. I'm going to take it to so HR. Quorum, quorum. Go to, go to <laughs> jinx.com slash iFanboy and buy one of them shirts. And now here's please. the deal. If you bought a shirt and you take a picture and send it to the folks at jinx.com, they'll put it on the site. And so far we've got two. And our most recent one um, just went off recently, which is pretty cool, and it's from Quentin, who says Zang. Um, listen, people, you got to represent with the yeah. t-shirts here, okay? Yeah. So I know you all bought them. We, we, we the know lots numbers. of people have yeah, bought them, so let's get the pictures going. Because right. we have to prove to them that they bought them. Well, if you want other designs and things like that, we got to show that we you know. That's exactly yeah. it. So, um, so go to Jinx.com and submit a picture. I challenge you to do that. Well, maybe you should put up a picture, Ron. Maybe I will. Okay, fine. All right. That was yeah, easy. Fine, okay. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Don't fight again. Um, Honestly, I can't even afford a shirt. <laughs> so um, in addition to that, you can, as we mentioned earlier, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's 326-2697. If you're really into web technology from a couple of years ago, there's frapper.com slash ifanboy, which is F-R-A-P-P-R.com. I'm kidding. Uh, stick your pin in your map and you can see where you are compared to the other people and they're all over the world, which is actually really neat. You said that really, really fast. That's, I know. That's I'm learning from living in New York. <laughs> and you could also go to the other different sorts of spaces like myspace.com myspace.com slash ifanboy comicspace.com slash ifanboy verb.com slash ifanboy which is v-i-r-b you can also go to facebook and search for the ifanboy group and you can join that and we are all we all can be friended on those as well there's also twitter.com slash ifanboy if you want to follow our ifanboy ramblings there's also our own personal twitter accounts as well as our personal social we network accounts pretty good yeah so there. If you um, want to help support the show, uh, you can vote for us at Podcast Alley or uh, leave a review in iTunes for either this show or the video show. Um, very helpful. But even more directly is if you know anybody who would like this, tell them to listen to it or just start playing it while they sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, if you dig what we do and you want more of it and want to help out the show, you can always go to ifanboy.com slash donations and leave a donation. Um, we really appreciate it to everybody's their generosity. We really like it. And um, we... You know, things like <laughs> we got real sexy is what we <laughs> really drunk one night. And then, um, no, but th- you know, things like the things like this thing with um, uh, Jim at Marvel and things that we're going to try to do more kind of you know, wacky stuff to you know, give you a little more bang for your buck. So, yay, <sighs> that was fun. I, you know, it was a shitty week for books, and well, it was a good time. It was a good time. So, no, you guys, you're gonna check out Omega? I'll read through it. I love that artist, man. Yeah, the art's great. Good, I think yeah. I'll probably buy it next week. So, um, it's Indian summer, it's hot. <sighs> We went the whole summer, by the way. Summer's over now. Yeah. We rarely mention the heat. It's true. All right. I think we deserve a pat on the back. I can't. It's too sweaty and clammy back there. <laughs> Seriously, don't touch me. Right, so until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Josh. I'm Connor. Goodbye. It's Angela from California. I just wanted to say a happy 100th episode, you guys, and hoping there's 100 more. Well, I guess, wishful thinking, but anywho, um, have a good night.
Hey guys, this is Josh from Portland, Maine. No question this week. Just wanted to say congratulations on 100 episodes. Hey, this is Sanchez from Queens. And I'm really mad because I missed the show. I missed the 100th episode. And I would cry, but I can't. And uh, that's it. You guys rock. Congratulations on uh, reaching 100, and I hope you do another 100 more. And I'd also like to take this time to say screw my job for calling me in. But I also love my job because then I could buy comics. Later. Goodbye. Ciao. <laughs> Ciao, it's Bella. A, it's a me, Mario. Bellissima. <laughs> <laughs> Although I go from rags to riches.